Welcome to Local Clayton. This podcast is done in conjunction with the Clayton Chamber of Commerce and focuses on local businesses, their successes, their stories, and their challenges. The Local Clayton podcast is produced by Changescape Web. Hey, everybody. This is Ken Tucker of Changescape Web. I'm your host of the Local Clayton podcast. Today, I'm joined by Roberta Moore, who is the founder and CEO of uh, the Conscious Choices Corporation, uh, also doing business as the EQI Coach. Welcome, Roberta. Hi, Ken. Thank you for having me. I'm so happy to be a guest on your show. Yeah, this is going to be a really great conversation. Uh, I'm really intrigued to learn more about what you do. Uh, I'm a I'm a philosophy major. Uh, it's ah. been a long time ago, but uh, but uh, so I, I I loved the intro that you sent to me. Uh, you know about how we typically have historically viewed the world and how this is kind of a paradigm shift. So uh, let's let's go ahead and get started. I'd love to learn more about you, Roberta. So if you would just tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into uh, doing the uh, EQI type business. Sure, I'd love to. So I'm a reformed CPA, I guess you could say, okay. who wanted to study psychology. Um, I had been in public accounting and my specialty had been uh, it first internal audit and then tax. And what I noticed was that when I was collecting data from clients for, let's say, a tax return, I was much more interested in their in the client, in their personal stories. Sometimes okay. when people talk about money, can they might they might say things like, "Oh, I, I might be get I'm having trouble in my marriage. I, I could be getting a divorce next year. How does that affect my tax return?" So on and so forth. And that to me was so much more interesting and exciting so that when I got married and we were in St. Louis, but my husband got a job elsewhere and we had to move. And there were only two female CPAs in that town uh, where we moved to in South Carolina. My husband said, you always talk about psychology. Why don't you just go back to school and get your degree? So I did that. I started my own. I started Conscious Choices as um, only marriage and family therapy uh, services. And what I realized along the way, Ken, is professionals would come in talking about, you know, family problems. And inevitably, I'd find out that the same skills like like communication, per se, or empathy, that were that was causing trouble in a marriage or in a family or with children, that was also causing trouble at work. Right? Because we're we're seamless people, and while we may behave differently in one context versus another, you take yourself with you wherever you go. You go. Right, right, yeah, so, so. absolutely. I have a master's in public administration as well, and so my specialization was in organizational behavior and management techniques. Ah. And, you know, so it's, it's uh, you know, cor- corporate culture is incredibly important, and so I'm sure that this has to, um, you know, come into play uh, in, in building a good, strong culture as well. Um, so, but before we get into that, let's kind of take a step back. So what is EQ and uh, how has it really evolved in the wor- workplace over the last few years? Well, it is really changing. EQ, it could also be EI, just so you know. EQ was a play on words from IQ developed by Dr. Ruben Baron. And EI stands for emotional intelligence. Basically, 
My favorite description of emotional intelligence is learning to use your emotions in such a way that you play well with others in the workplace, um, that you're using your emotions in a way that's so positive you achieve your full potential. And in the old paradigm, right, the old paradigm years ago was um, having leading with authority, the authority of your position. The new paradigm with emotional intelligence is leading with your empathy, leading with your personal leadership skills. And actually in the, in the model that I use, the EQI 2.0, that's why I named my business EQI, okay. because Dr. Barone and Dr. Steven Stein came up with EQI 2.0. In, in that model, there are three skills. I remember them as A, C, and E, like ACE. Okay. <laughs> Assertiveness, competence, and empathy. Those are the three skills uh, top leaders need to be in balance in order okay. to be at the height of their uh, effectiveness and profitability. Okay. So is that like an equilateral triangle where they all three have to be in balance? Yes. But if you were to take the assessment and look at the leadership report, it wouldn't be reported as a triangle because there's 16 skills. Okay. They just, they just did a study. Dr. Stein did a study on who 76 of the most profitable CEOs. I don't know how he chose the participants, mm -hmm but he did a correlation, a, a regression analysis to see out of these 16 skills that he's ident they've identified what are the top three that um, the most profitable CEOs are in balance with, hmm. and, and they were those three. Okay. So what does the I stand for? Intelligence. Okay. So, it's so just they EQ. just combined e sure. EQ and EI. They combined it EQI. Okay. All right. All right. Cool. Yeah. So uh, so the 2.0 model, um, when did that start? And, and uh, you know, I assume that begs the question, there probably was a 1.0 model. There was a one point. There was a 1.0 model that um, Dr. Barone started researching on his own by himself in the 80s, as early in right. the 80s. He wanted to answer two questions. What makes people happy and what makes people successful at work? And then when he got together with Dr. Stein, they met at a conference. I think it was in the EI Consortium Conference. I'm not totally sure about that. I think that was in the later 90s, you know, because Daniel Goleman was the one that he was so good at marketing. He was the one that got the word out. He was also researching on his own and he has a different model, but he is, came out in, I think, about 1995, his famous book came out. So I okay. think Dr. Stein and Dr. Barone got together after that. I've actually got one of my Forbes articles that talks about that history. Okay. All right. Awesome. So um, let's talk about the business case for EQ in an organization. And um, how do you identify whether or not an organization is a good candidate uh, and will most likely be successful implementing, you know, and leveraging EQ uh, within their organization? I love that question, Ken. That's an excellent question because it's, it's, it goes back to your very first question about the new paradigm shift. They have to be open to change. They have to be wanting to embrace a new way of thinking that cares about their people, cares about their culture. A, a really good example is when companies I work with grow by mergers and acquisitions okay. and they're, they acquire 
They're growing by that. They're acquiring companies with different cultures, and then they want to integrate all the cultures. The company has to be aware, you know, Dr. Edgar Schein, who recently passed away, um, you might know this from organizational behavior. He was a big process guy. He re researched that two-thirds of all mergers and acquisitions fail because people fail to take into account the culture. They only look at the numbers. So a company has to be willing to say culture is important. Emotions are important. We understand that. We're willing to be flexible. We're willing to be open. We're willing to change. And they have to understand it's systemic. I can't work with somebody to coach them in a vacuum. So usually when I take a company on, I want to be, and I'm going to take, let's say, a president on or a mid-level manager on, I want permission to talk to their boss. So I okay. can check in with the boss periodically to see what behaviors are changing. Because you can't just work in isolation with one person and expect the whole, you know, things to change. Yeah. So do you um, do you typically just work with like one or two people within the leadership or do you work with the you know, entire company? Because I would assume part of what you're trying to accomplish with this is, you know, is, is getting it, you know, not only from the top, but also down instilled and, and liberating, you know, the people who may not have had the opportunity to have their say or to really provide uh, input or direction into the company. Yes. So it all depends, Ken. It, it, every situation is different, I would say. But for instance, last year, uh, the largest global fast food company hired me to work with their mid-level managers for a year. Um, and I worked with so about 200 people, but they were okay. from 26 different stores. They, they call the restaurant stores. So there were 26 different stores, but it was um, the owners, the mid-level managers, not the staff people. But so that was one that we worked with for a year, teaching them the skills that would most move the needle on customer service, which actually led to employee retention. Okay. Um, which and, isn't important in this day and age, is it? <laughs> no, not at all. No, not at all. You know, so that was an example of where I did workshops and yeah. they were large workshops and I wasn't coaching anybody individually, but everybody okay. took the EQI 2.0 assessment, which okay. then tells us it's very scientifically validated when people take that, Ken, we know exactly which skills they're high in and which skills they're low in. And then I can run a group report and see as a the group as a whole. Um, which which are the top three, which are the lowest three skills, and I can teach to the skills that will most move the needle. And then right. because this is so scientific, we can reassess. We have a before and an after to know what right. progress was made and, and theoretically will be sustained. Okay. So um, this is a completely different test, but are there any similarities or anything that you can learn from somebody who might do like a disc assessment or Myers-Briggs, for example, to, to really know whether or not the culture and the leadership of the organization is really going to be primed for success? Or, or is that really unnecessary because the, the testing tools that you have really kind of circumvent those? 
Also a great question. I do, I'm, I'm certified in DISC and okay. also Myers-Briggs. Uh, I, I would say my first love is Ben Myers-Briggs. Those are personality indicators. And, and you, I'm sure with your degree, you understand that the, you know, the, the research shows that with personality, maybe somebody might go up and down a little bit, but they stay in a narrow band range over time. Your core personality usually is, doesn't change. EQ yeah. is different because it's skill-based. Hmm, okay. EQ can be learned by anybody at any time and it can go way up and down. So I usually tell people it's more like an income statement and less like a balance sheet. If okay. you had, if you, I had somebody take this recently who thought he was going to get fired and his scores, especially in self-regard, I, I think were much, much lower than if he had taken it right after he got a promotion, right? Or sure. if you get a divorce or you're in the process of a divorce, your score could be lower um, because it's, it's all the, it's not constant. Your EQ can go up and down and it's something you have to constantly work at. So mm -hmm. to answer your question, I can take Myers-Briggs or DISC and blend it with the EQI because then I'm seeing the person core personality as well as their skill levels. Okay. And people can have the skill and not use it. I have yeah. some clients that I see, you know, it sounds like they use the skill at home, but they're not using the same skill that they have at work for, okay. for various reasons. I'm not surprised by that. I mean, because, you know, we all, we all kind of have a perception of what our work life should be and how we should act, you know, and, and uh, there are probably a lot of uh, environmental factors that have kind of driven that as well. So if you've never been in an environment like, you know, where you where you have the opportunity to really explore the tools and, and power of EQ, you, you may not even you're, you're not even going to be aware of it to take advantage. Yeah, some people, correct, are not. At, no, but people are becoming more aware, thank goodness, these days. Yeah. It, yeah. It's all a lot of its relationship driven, Ken, if you have a relationship at, with your boss or with your co colleagues, your team where you don't feel psychologically safe. That's when I find that people, they might know of the skill, but they don't use it because they're not feeling safe, yeah. if that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. That's definitely a situation that would need to be addressed, I'm sure. So um, so when you're, when you're looking at an organization, um, I'm just curious, how do, you, how do you identify whether or not um, the leadership is, is ready to do this? Um, are, are there... I'm just curious, really, for from from your perspective, do you when you do outreach to organizations to to see if they're interested? Because you know, my my experience is that a lot of organizations, um, you know, my bailiwick is really marketing, but I do some business coaching and consulting as well. Um, a lot of times, they know there's a problem, but they don't really know what it is, and so they don't really know how to exactly express that and look for the help. You know, and so sometimes there is that perfect accident, you know, where you're reaching out, trying to talk to somebody and they're like, oh, my gosh, that's exactly, you know, what I need. Uh, yes. So talk a little bit about that process. Yes, a lot of times. And I have to confess, Ken, most of my business so far, knock on wood, has been by referral from okay. existing clients. That's awesome. I haven't had to do too much outreach, although I would like I, I would like 
to do more. <laughs> but mostly people will already come to me knowing that they've got a problem. They might not know exactly what it is. So often what I'll do is say, usually it's an HR person or the CEO or some C-suite person who reaches out to me. Um, sometimes it's even the CIO. Um, I will ask them if they're willing to take the assessment tool. Okay. Um, it's easy to take. You take it online. It's 133 different questions. It takes 15 minutes. And I'm talking about the EQI 2.0 because I have okay. several assessments that I use. Okay. But I ask them to take that. And once they take that, I'll have a better idea of what's going on because I know you know this. Leadership trickles down from the top. Yeah. So if you can get the, one of the senior leaders, if not the CEO or, you know, or a president to take that assessment, um, then I can, I can make a good guess. I also have like a qualitative, that's the quantitative tool. Some people will say no, they're, they're shy about that. Then I ask them, will you take this little qualitative assessment that I have that I give away on my website as a freebie? And what I've learned, Ken, um, astonishingly, I can make a guess from how they answer the qualitative questions as to what might be going on. That's the issue. Uh, I had two people like that last week from two new companies where um, we took the qualitative and then they took the quantitative and the results were almost exactly the same, except with the quantitative, you get a score, a numerical yeah. score, whereas with the yeah. qualitative, you do not. Yeah. You know, but I, I think people almost have to be, I mean, it's changing, right? But people have heard of EQ, they've heard of EI. Now it's a, it's not just a flavor of the month. It's been around for a good amount of time. Uh, there, people are getting more savvy about, um, we're going to have to treat people better and pay attention to, you know, the needs, the mental health, the well-being, the happiness of our employees, and, yeah. and so people are not in the dark as much about that, especially after the pandemic. They're not exactly about that anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I think the world has become a lot more competitive in so many ways and, and just massive paradigm shifts with the pandemic. You know, I, I mean, we're still grappling with where the workforce should be working from. You know, is it in office? Is it hybrid? Is it at home? You know, and and that has massive cultural implications. It has massive employee retention uh, implications. And and given the fact that I think the world is a lot more competitive, uh, and and even if you're doing well, it's harder to do well because maybe there is a constraint on your resources, both human and capital, uh, you know, and material. Yes. So I I I think that there's got to be a, a strong demand for this. What level of organization, I mean, or how big a, a company really are you looking for that, that really can be uh, effective in implementing an EQ strategy? I've worked with different company sizes. Like I said, I've worked with, I have several companies that are global. So, but I mean, companies with 400 employees maybe, okay. or um, I worked with, um, I've worked with a branch of an, of a large well-known insurance company here in town. And I think they had in their branch, maybe a, a hundred, even though they're, a, you know, a $23 billion company. So the size does not matter to me so much. It's really what you indicated before from your original questions. It's, 
are the leaders going to embrace this? Do they understand it's going to take time to change? It takes what I've discovered a minimum of six months. Better if they'll sign on for 12. But companies that say, oh, can you help us change and we're only willing to do it for three months, you're not going to get much traction in three months. (laughs) Right. Yeah. So do you um, do you work only with one company at a time or do you have like, um, you know, group, uh, you know, programs that, um, you know, like especially I'm thinking, you know, several smaller companies, maybe 20 to 50 employees, maybe they can't take on a full blown program with you, but they want to be uh, involved. They want to be making progress. Maybe they want to work with their peers. Uh, do you do th- things like that as well? Absolutely. So almost everything I do, Ken, is customized. (laughs) Much to the chagrin of my business coach. She's like, (laughs) Roberta, stop customizing everything. You'll have more free time. Uh, But I love what I do. It has changed my life tremendously to work on my own EQ. I mean, I had to increase my skills. So I worked with Dr. Dana Ackley for to coach me for a couple of years, both on building my business and also, you know, me becoming more proficient at the skills. So, you know, some companies, I'm only coaching one person there because that one person, you know, Maybe they're, hopefully they're tapped on the shoulder as a high potential and they know that they can move up, you know, if they improve their leadership skills. But sometimes it's because somebody's on a PIP, a performance improvement plan, and then we're working fast towards a deadline. And I just work with one person, but that usually leads to more business because then usually they send me more people to coach. And then, oh, I might do a workshop. I might put together group coaching uh, so on and so forth. So okay. it, it can start with, it, it can be, a, I mean, I have taken on an assignment where I started coaching one person for three months, twice a month. So that was like six meetings. And then they sent me longer engagements. I think sometimes people stick their toe in the water to see how it works, which I understand. Yeah. And then it leads to more things. So it can be as small as one person Uh, It can be in in that one insurance company. I did group coaching with their best uh, people uh, every month for three years. Um, That was to help their, the people who are in sales get past the fear of rejection, you know, pick themselves up, dust themselves off emotionally after that. Um, A a new client that's a nonprofit that's coming on board. Uh, We're starting with, I'm starting with a two hour presentation on how do you use emotional intelligence skills to give better virtual presentations because they all give their learning and development people who train and and they're just two hours, you know, for their employee retreat, but that who knows that could lead to something more if they become interested. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Fascinating stuff. I have to say, I mean, I, I, like you, I I love my job. I, I love getting into the details. I, do way too much customization as well, but that's where the fun is, you know, and that's that, you know, even though we have like, and I'm sure you do too, core offerings that we provide, you always have to do some level of customization. Otherwise uh, you're not really serving your clients in the best way possible, in my opinion. So um, yes, so I have some core programs. You're okay. right. <laughs> I do. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about your book. Oh, thank you for asking. 
Yeah. I, I, the book was when I, uh, the managing partner of the insurance company, he was very encouraging to me towards writing this book. It took me several years, it took so much longer than I thought it would take. But why I wrote it, and it, it launched, I think, in 2018, was I wanted to write about, I wanted people to see the possibility uh, that we, any of us can change. And I wanted them to see the power and the magic of embracing their emotional intelligence, working with it to grow their skills. So I took before and after, like I took several, they were all true stories of clients. I changed the backgrounds, I changed the names, I changed okay. sometimes the genders to protect the clients and their stories. Um, but I wrote about how we identified the EQ skills that they needed to develop, how we worked together to develop them, and then where they ended up. And okay. And I go through each of the 16 skills, and then there are questions at the end of each of the sections. I think I grouped them into the five different composites that this tool, the EQI 2.0, has in the model. And so if somebody, let's say somebody can't afford to hire me, they can have this book, they can read um, about the different skills, they can do the exercises in each of the sections. And in theory, they can develop their EQ themselves. Okay. But a lot of times I use it in my workshops, kind of like as a workbook, every company, every client that coaches with me gets a copy of it. So they can utilize it to do the exercises. And I have so many more exercises than were in the book, but the editor yeah. said, <laughs> People will fall asleep if you put too much in there. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I've written a couple of books as well, and uh, we were able to uh, get a group of consultants together that I knew in the marketing world, and you know we all kind of divided and conquered, uh, and, and so it made it a little bit easier. Although it still took well over a year, even though we had an outline, we knew what we were going to be writing, we knew who had assignments and what the deadlines were. It's a it's a big undertaking. So uh, kudos to you for, for Thank being able you. To it's very rewarding and satisfying. So, yeah, that it is. Yeah. So, Roberta, um, we're it's about time to wrap up. I wanted to give you uh, an opportunity, uh, you know, to to kind of is there anything else that we didn't cover that we really probably should have? And also, more importantly, how can people get in contact with you if they want to find out more about what you do? Okay, thank you. So, you know, my website, you can contact me through my website, which is www.eqicoach.com. I I have my Conscious Choices Corporation was started as a therapy line of service. So some people have asked me, do you have therapy services for business owners and entrepreneurs and people who are professionals because they want therapy instead of coaching? And yes, I do. <laughs> so that was just one thing we didn't touch on that I do have two lines of service. I keep the names and the, co- and the website separate um, for licensure and ethical reasons. But okay. the, the thing that ties both, both lines of service together is emotional intelligence. So even if I'm doing therapy with somebody instead of doing coaching, I'm always going to be looking at it through the lens of emotional intelligence. And often I use the same assessment for, for that, for okay. therapy clients as well as coaching clients. Okay. Awesome. 
Roberta, thanks so much. I really enjoyed talking with you and uh, you, you know, it's a fascinating topic. I'm glad you're doing what you do because I think it's definitely you know needed. In, uh, and like I said, I, I think with the more competitive environment that we're dealing with at whatever level, whether it's, you know, dealing with, um, you know, personnel situations or leadership, uh, you, you provide a, an incredibly important service. So thank you very much. Oh, thank you, Ken. I've enjoyed this. Thank you so much. You're an <laughs> engaging you. host. <laughs> oh, well, thank you very much. All right. Thanks so much. Bye. Goodbye. We want to thank all of you for taking the time to listen to today's podcast. Please be sure and subscribe to the local Clayton podcast in your podcast software. We'd love for you to rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. And please don't forget to visit localclayton.com for more episodes, information on local businesses, free resources, and a link to set up a free consultation with the host of this podcast. Thanks again and stay tuned.